in my opinion, it was easier to become a mechanic than it was a carpenter because I wasn't creating the parts, you know, from raw building materials. So, but being at the base for a couple of years, I, I ended up getting uh, hired on at the Borax Mine in uh, Boron, California, one of the largest open pit mines. And they offered overtime for anybody that knew how to weld. So, you know, my dad, he, he was a welder at the same plant for 27 years and as a millwright. And obviously he had tools at home, so he taught me how to work and weld at home. And so when they offered that, I raised my hand and I said, yeah, I know how to weld. And I knew I knew enough. I knew enough to not get myself hurt. And I knew enough to set up the machine. And I knew that I needed to watch the older guys to get better. And that's just how it happened. Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now your host, Keith Williams. Welcome to the Skill Stadium podcast, episode 106. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Keith Williams. Every week, we feature professionals who work in the skilled trades, business owners, educators, people giving real-world advice. I have three requests. If you enjoy the podcast and it brought you value, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star rating. Write a review. Share one thing you learned or enjoyed on the podcast. Your support means the world to me. Really appreciate it. Thank you again for tuning in. Today's guest grew up in Southern California in a small town called Barstow. My guest is a master carpenter, diesel mechanic, welder, and welding instructor, a man of many talents. My guest is passionate about changing the lives of his students and empowering them to acquire skills and make a successful transition into the workforce. During my guest's free time, he enjoys going to the beach with his wife, and they enjoy riding bikes and electric scooters and cruising on boardwalks. Please welcome Joshua O'Neill to the Skill Stadium Podcast. Joshua, how are you this evening? Hey, what up, my friend? I'm doing good. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Hey, I got to ask, how far is that beach that you, you know, because Barstow is where you live is not really on the beach. So it looks like I think you said you're going to Huntington. Is that a long hike for you? Is that something you do maybe uh, once in a while? Or is that something you guys try and do on a regular basis? So living in the high desert, you know, it, it put us kind of in a central location. Believe it or not, we were only two hours away from Vegas, an hour away from the mountains, and about an hour and a half from the from the coast. Okay. So depending on what beach, you know, you got anywhere from Santa Monica down to San Clemente, San Diego, but that starts going three hours. But I just moved. So now the new city I live in in Hemet is only an hour away from San Diego. So nice. We're close. Excellent, excellent. I love the beach. I mean, that's just something I think people who live near the beach take it for granted, you know, because it's something they have access to all the time. So that's awesome. Hey, tell me about this program, the Cadence program. Oh man. You were I think you mentioned it. I wanna can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Okay, so the Cadence Project is a project we just uh well that my school just wrapped up. It's a statewide project where 10 community colleges were chosen because of their uh, skilled trades programs. And they were selected to select two student interns that have been through their programs and try to get them to integrate into a Department of Defense supplier. We had to go out and find a Department of Defense 
contractor that was willing to work with us and we pitched the proposal to him. It was a short internship. I happened to find a really cool one up in the desert that deals with aerospace engineering. And dude, it just, it blew me away when I went there. I didn't even know what they were about until I went there and it was high security. You had to bring a birth certificate just to walk through the door. And yeah, from there I was just blown away. So how is it building those relationships? Is it a challenge, you know, because I would imagine the ability to build relationships is pretty critical for this program to work. Oh, yeah. You know, I just go into there um, myself. I have background in the trades, so I have a, a real easy ability to speak with the workforce and gain their trust by letting them know what I'm about, where I've come from, and what my goals are. Luckily, this company was all about helping younger people get into a position that they would have never dreamed before. So the president of the company's real emphatic about helping young people get into the engineering trade. And he heard my vision and it just connected. So it worked perfect, you know? Excellent. Excellent. Good to know. Good to know. I mean, we definitely need to, you know, there's a skills gap. We need these young folks getting into these careers. So I love it when companies are on board and people like yourself who are passionate about the teaching go out and build those relationships. And that I think is a game changer. I think also your work experience has helped you with that. You know, you're not just somebody who's theory, you know, you're somebody who has a hands-on experience. So I think the students, your students are going to benefit tremendously just from those relationships you're building. You know, so you grew up in Southern California, small town in Barstow. Tell me something about, you know, growing up when you were, you know, you were an athlete in high school and college. What did you learn from this experience and how did it help you in your career? So being an athlete, I started in Kempo Karate in third grade with, I was getting in trouble in elementary school. My dad said, Hey boy, if you're not going to listen to me, you're going to listen to somebody. Yes. And, uh, it, you know, I had to obtain that discipline and, and I'm glad that, you know, I got in trouble when I was young because he pushed me into that direction and being an athlete helped me learn discipline. It made me understand that I needed to do things that I, I didn't want to do, but I had to do so that I can get to the end game. You know, gave me a lot of self-determination. Wrestling's a one-man sport. So, you know, you can't, wrestling and karate, that's a one-man sport. You don't rely on somebody else to get you the win. So that same kind of determination helped me in the future by knowing that, you know, I'm going to have to do some stuff that I don't want to do, but it's going to help me out in the long term. And then uh, a lot of pride, man. You know, you have a lot of internal pride when you're an athlete. You want to you wanna be better than you were yesterday. So, you know, I, I, I use that same mindset to constantly improve. I want to be a better educator, so I'm going to continue to push myself to, to learn more and be better in the classroom. Yeah, I tremendous amount of respect for athletes just because of the discipline it takes. And even the fact that you are a collegiate athlete, it's such a smaller percentage of people who get to that level. And you did it. I mean, I think you're a little humble about it, but you got a scholarship, you know, and I, I remember we were talking about the story about how you got the scholarship and it was pretty amazing. Do you want to share that with, with, uh, with the uh, skill stadium guests? Sure. Sure. You know, cause this is kind of a story about, you don't always have to be your best to earn something amazing. The day of the finals, I was, I was slated to be number one. Uh, but I went out in the mat and, uh, I put myself in a bad situation and I got thrown on my back. I ended up fighting off my back that, that whole first round. And then the next two rounds was nothing but a battle. So I ended up losing that fight five to one. And after that, you know, I thought, oh, what am I going to do now? I lost league. Now everything's over. So I was, I was a little upset, but I went out onto the mat and I, I wrestled with class and I beat up everybody. I beat them up bad. 
<laughs> and doing that and wrestling the way I wanted to wrestle, it showed the coach that was uh, uh, from Bakersfield College that even though I lost, you know, I didn't take my head out of the game. I stepped, I kept up the intensity. And he told me at the end, he said, you know, I, I know you didn't like the way you placed today, but I really like the way you wrestle and I'd like you to come to my school and uh, I'll take care of you. And that's how that relationship started. He found me a job. He found me a place to live and uh, pay for my books and my tuition. And I got to wrestle for two years. Nice. Nice. No, that's awesome. You can't, like I said, you can't beat that. It's an, it's an elite group of athletes that make it to the collegiate level. And, and that's very impressive. And that also shows in the work that you do in terms of the discipline. Now, you know, you have a master's, you know, you were working in the carpentry as a carpenter and the housing market crashed. How did you decide to make a transition into welding? Man, so welding wasn't even my pivoting career choice at first, man. I actually transitioned to a heavy mobile mechanic. I got an opportunity to start as a helper at the uh, Marine Corps logistics base in their giant maintenance center. Actually, there's only one other giant maintenance center, and it's in Albany, Georgia. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. So, well, I got my, you know, I got my chance to to show that I knew what, what was up there, and it transitioned into another opportunity for a different contractor. And, you know, actually transitioning from the hammer to a wrench wasn't that hard because I, I, I kept the same concept of reading a blueprint and, and assembling a building, like reading a... I put that into reading a schematic, uh, electrical schematic or a hydraulic schematic and, and putting components together so it'll operate, you know? So in my opinion, it was easier to become a mechanic than it was a carpenter because I wasn't creating the parts, you know, from raw building materials. So, but being at the base for a couple of years, I, I ended up getting uh, hired on at the Borax Mine in uh, Boron, California, one of the largest open pit mines. And they offered overtime for anybody that knew how to weld. So... You know, my dad, he, he was a welder at the same plant for 27 years and as a millwright. And obviously he had tools at home, so he taught me how to work and, and, and weld at home. And so when they offered that, I raised my hand and I said, yeah, I know how to weld. And I knew I knew enough. I knew enough to not get myself hurt. And I knew enough to set up the machine. And I knew that I needed to watch the older guys to get better. And that's just how it happened. I went from there. I think it's such an asset when you have multiple skill sets. It just opens up opportunities for you. And so many people, and I, and I would imagine you probably share this with your, your students and young people, the more skills you acquire, and it just creates more opportunity for you, especially in today's market. Like you said, you got overtime just strictly because, you know, you, you knew how to weld and you put your hand up and, and, and you learned those skill sets. I do think carpentry is a great foundation for learning other skill trades. Everybody has told me that if you can do carpentry, it's kind of the baseline for the other skill trades because it's what supports a lot of the other trades is what I've learned. So, you know, much respect to you for that, for being able to pick up those additional skill sets. Right on, right on. Yeah. Now, speaking of which, you have a master's in organization leadership, adult learning, and, you know, you have credentials for building construction trades, bachelor's in social psychology, and two undergraduate certificates as a skilled mental health counselor, pre-adult and adult. You know, with the market constantly changing, talk about the importance of being a learner and how that has really just opened up your career opportunities and advanced you because... I know some of these things that you've acquired, particularly the teaching side, that seems like that was very strategic because it's, it's aligning with what you're doing right now. But talk about the importance of that. 
So, you know, I started my career by going to college, getting that wrestling scholarship. I was successful, got my my first associate's degree in, on time. And uh, back then, I had aspirations of becoming a math teacher. And I wanted to be a math teacher, high school math teacher, and a wrestling coach. All right. Just like my wrestling coach. Yes. And, uh, but then when I found out how much teachers made, I said, <laughs> whoa, no, no, I ain't going that route, you know? I made a whole lot more money swinging the hammer than it was, you know, being in a classroom. So, you know, my path changed and uh, I chased the white buffalo for a long time, you know, and but then that dried up and I didn't have nothing to fall back on. And, you know, it was a good thing that I had that mechanical mind. But at the same time, I was reaching my mid 30s when when I decided, you know, actually, this is what it was at the mine. The guys were working out there 30. 35, 40 years, and they would retire and die in two years. Oh, no. And, and I thought to myself, there's no way I'm going to work myself to the bone and then not have a nice retirement and a healthy body to enjoy it. So I decided to go back to school and uh, finish what I started. Mm -hmm. And it just happened to work out that my my pops was the, the new industrial welding and instructor at Barstow Community College. Nice. And I thought there's no way that the sun and moon and stars were aligned for me to take a class from my dad. So I enrolled and he was able to teach me a, a more of a structured background in shielded metal arc welding and TIG welding. And, you know, it just it compounded from there. I ended up getting my third associate's degree in welding technology and uh, while I was doing all that, I was taking other courses and I was finishing up my bachelor's at the same time. So it just turned into, like I said, a big snowball. And I didn't even know I was going to become a welding instructor. After I finished my associate's degree in welding, the dean of the college saw how I was helping out the other students while I was in class and she offered me a job. So I started working part time while I was at the mine. And then I started talking to the buddies at the mine and said, man, you know, I I kind of like this teaching gig, you know, I, I'd much rather be sending emails than shoveling uh, uh, concrete in the middle of July, yeah. you know? That makes sense. Yeah. And you know what? You wanted to be a math teacher. You just made a bit of a shift. That's all. You still get to teach. Because I, I could tell you're passionate about that because I remember you were sharing a story with me about how you had one of your students got a knocked out the welding program in like six months and got a real high paying job. And that, you know, that was something you talked about, you know, almost right away when we spoke. So I know that you're real passionate about that. And that's probably why you wanted to teach. So I mean, it's kind of a, it's amazing. You, you, you went full circle around back to what you really wanted to do. So Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's where people shine. If you're doing what you enjoy doing, and you're passionate about and I would imagine just watching the results of your work like you see the lives you're changing I gotta believe that that is really satisfying for you it probably drives you I would bet oh yeah you know before we got on the cast I uh I just posted a video of my intern uh Aaliyah she just got picked up full-time for that that job with the X Quadrum. Oh, nice. So, nice. Yeah, dude. And that internship we just did was only 72 hours. So, you know, her skills and abilities shine through that short 72 hour period. And they said, you know what, we want her. And so, yeah, I just put it out there right now that she got hired. Nice. Now, how long has she been in the program for? Did you? Well, she started our program at Barstow Community College, taking the the welding courses. So she has her associate of arts or associate of science degree in welding technology. And then uh, she was chosen because of her, 
she helped me out when I had when we were running our trade tech program. I had asked for any volunteers that wanted to come on a Saturday and help uh, show some of these new students how to weld, and she was the only one that volunteered. And uh, you know what? When she came in and she had that knack to to show others what to do, I knew she had something in her, and she had a lot of potential, and she could integrate into a trade and and work with people that were willing to show her what, you know, the process was. And I let her know about this opportunity that was coming up. She filled out an application and she was selected. Nice. You see what Take Initiative does? I mean, you know, young people don't understand. You take, sometimes they don't understand. You take that chance, you take that initiative. It pays off because you just stand out. I also think that, and I'm sure you see this, are you seeing more women go into your profession in welding? Because we all know that, there's not a lot of women in, in the skill traits and in welding in, in particular. Are you seeing any shifts or is it still, you know? Oh, no, I have. I've seen a big shift. And, and you know, I've made my shop and classroom really inclusive. And actually, the, the female students that I've had in my, in my program have shined more than the male students. And the thing is, I even highlight it to the guys, too. I tell them, look, these ladies pay attention. They pay attention to detail. They can control their hands, you know, so they can do precise movements with their hands. They have good eye-hand coordination. And once it comes time for the real world, they don't call in sick on Sunday because they got drunk, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so I yeah. They don't get drunk on Sunday and call in sick on Monday and, and ruin the, the day for the rest of the team, you know? And so I've always explained to them that, look, you know, you guys got to step up now. These ladies are coming up in the game and they're outshining you, you know? And... To be honest, I'd rather have a, a group of hardworking ladies than a bunch of, than a band of lazy guys. Yeah, you know? I hear you. I hear you. And you know what it is, too, is they face adverse. Let's face it, you know, there have been challenges for women in the trades. And, you know, I'm sure some women have, have faced, you know, discrimination, sexism, and so forth. So it's probably made them more resilient. And, you know, they're going to work harder to prove to prove that they are just as good, if not better, as we're seeing, you know, so, you know, and I also think women mature faster than men. If I think back to when I was growing up as a young man, I was a knucklehead, you know, and, you know, it took me a minute to, you know, as men, it does take us a little while to get our acts together. And so oh, yeah. you're right. I mean, everything you're, you're describing there that, you know, these young women are, 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 they're, they're out there competing. And you know what, at the end of the day, you know, when it's a business, people are going to, you know, they're going to reward the people who show up and do what they're supposed to do. It's really that simple. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and here's another realization that I, I give to my male students, too. I say, you know, you see a lot of stuff from the history books talking about how we won the war, you know, but do you really know how we won the war? And, and I show them the manufacturing process that were occurring during the war. The men were on the battlefield. The women were the ones that were making the things you know, so if it wasn't for our women workforce, there would have been no war to win. You know, we would have been out there without the equipment that we needed and, and, and the support. And so we owe a lot more to our female counterparts than than we've been doing in the past. And, I, and I'm help. I'm happy that I can be a, a, an advocate for for females in the trade and not only just the welding trade, but as a carpenter, as a, a millwright, a, a pipe fitter, auto a mechanic, you know, anything. Definitely, definitely. You know, one of the things that I, I'm really impressed with, with the uh, colleges, particularly Barstow College, is your tuition is $1,100 there. I really wanted to touch on that because here's a program that, you know, $1,100, you're done in two years. The return on that investment is just unbelievable. I just think, I really don't think people understand 
the value of what they're getting going into these programs. Can you talk about that? So the fact that our tuition is really low is a real highlight for other students from surrounding areas to come to our program. But in our immediate community, we offer what's called the Promise Program. So high school students that graduate from any of the surrounding high schools, they can go to Barstow for two years Mm -hmm. and get their associate's degree with no tuition at all. Mm -hmm. And like you said, the return on investment is huge because we're surrounded by some major industrial players, BNSF Railroad, the U.S. Borax Mine, uh, Fort Irwin, the Marine Base. These are all people that offer occupations that pay over 30 bucks an hour, you know. So putting that small investment into yourself, immersing yourself into the trades is probably going to be one of the best decisions a young person can make. And and here's another thing too, when you when you're working in the trades, you're not working hard every single day. There's not something that breaks down every single day. There's days where you coast, you know? There's some days that I went to work and I thought, "My goodness, they're paying me to do this. This is crazy," you know, but <laughs> but that's what you do. You know, you put in the hard work so that you can reap the benefits later. I was getting back to uh not having to work hard every single day, man. You know, uh, if young people think that the trades are just uh, full of hard days and, and broken bones and skinned knees, you know, it's not like that. You have a lot of days where you're making good money and you, you do sit back and you think, man, I cannot believe I'm getting paid to do this. So, you know, it's a great feeling. Definitely, definitely. You know, for students, are you seeing, you know, enrollment going up? Are you seeing more students? Because, you know, I think we are doing, I think, Schools and people like yourself and people working in the trades are doing a good job making people more aware of it. What trends are you seeing in terms of enrollment? Are you seeing more people come in? Are you seeing older workers who've worked at a career? Or are you seeing more young people or students? Or is it a mix? It's still a mix. You know, it's it. we've been having some peaks and valleys right now with enrollment ever since the pandemic hit. That's really messed up the numbers for wanting to have in-person classes. Some people are prone to getting sick, you know, so that really eliminates them from being able to take these classes as well. But I think once things start to flatten out more, we'll, our, our enrollment will increase. I know I get a lot of buzz for my programs down here in the Valley, and uh, I have a waiting list for my adult ed. So, wow, yeah, it's, it's going good. Yeah. Well, because adult ed, there's more of a sense of urgency because, you know, people who are making career changes, one of the things I love about welding and the skill trades is I've seen people who are 40s, 50s making a career change and they get it. They're, they're locked in. They've lived some life. They know what they want. And, uh, you know, they, they're in a position probably where they need, you know, they need to increase their earning potential, you know. And so, you know, these are people who are going to be real serious about going through the program. So, you know, that probably explains why you guys have a waiting list for the adult ed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They know what they want. Like you said, I, I always make sure that the value of the course is, is brought to light right in the beginning. I, I let them know how many industrial partners are interested from the graduates from our program. And they can see the numbers right in front of them. They grew up here. Oftentimes, they know some of the companies that I that that are supporting us, and so that internal motivation is already there. They already know that they've had some relatives or something that worked for that company, and they've lived a successful life. So it's pretty good right now. <laughs> definitely, definitely. No, I hear you. You know what companies are you seeing? You know, in terms of companies paying for education and training, because 
We all know it's important to continue to get that training and development. Are you seeing more companies now offer additional benefits in terms of paying for training and allowing people to have their tuition or education and training covered, like additional training? You know, I know uh, companies like BNSF and and Rio Tinto, well, the U.S. Forex Mine, they do offer incentives for uh, tu- tuition reimbursement if you want to advance your education. And I think that's a great thing to know because if you get into a craft into one of those with one of those companies, you're not going to be locked into that craft if you choose not to be, you know. And and that's the ticket right there. I think the only stipulation is if after they do tuition reimbursement, you need to you have to stay with the company for a year or two, you yeah, know. That makes sense. Yeah, they made that investment in you. Yeah, that makes sense. Doctorate's degrees, and next thing you know, people are bailing. So yeah. No, I get it. No, that makes sense. That 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 is definitely fair. Hey, you know, I know we have a skills gap and we need to get more young people into the trades. And I believe we got to get the parents on board and students. How do we get them to see the value of careers in the trades? How do we get the parents to see that value? So, you know, right now, what I think could be the biggest influence is we need to start influencing the masses, the way they're being influenced right now. And that's through online platforms, podcasts, you know, all these different mediums, they need to be utilized to create the change that we're looking for. Because unfortunately, technology took the attention away from the skilled trades. It worked, you know, for years, uh, everybody wanted to go into IT or, you know, the, the path was different. So now we're at an amazing time in history where we can use this technology to influence the masses and, and, and show them there's viable careers out there that are hungry for workers, hungry. And they're not even, most of these companies that are looking for skilled workers, you know what they tell me all the time? They want somebody that is going to show up to work, Yeah, is going to give their all, is going to be a team player, is going to be willing to learn, and is going to have a great attitude. All of those things should be taught at the home, you know? So, so you know, what I'm offering is just a bonus to those qualities if that student already has them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... and, and- what you're doing is you're providing that roadmap, but that foundation has to be laid down by the parents. And, and it's true. What, how you raise your kids will reflect in what they do in the workforce. You know, if you, you don't hold them accountable or, you know, you don't give them responsibility, then it's going to show when they go out and they have to work. So uh, I agree with you on that, you know, and I, I was going to say, just like that old saying, if your kids aren't coachable, they won't be employable. Yes, that's true. That's true. (laughs) Definitely. They'll be living in your basement. (laughs) Yes. Can you share three resources for prospective students who are interested in a career in welding? Okay. So, you know, there's some really good content out out there. These students just look up anything uh, online that has to do with welding. They're going to get a whole bunch of information. But what I've found that's really, really good is the Miller Open Book. Miller Open Book? Yeah, Miller Open Book. They go to their MillerOpenBook.com. They can sign up, register, and it's a online self-learning resource. I use that platform for my high school kids to do homework. Uh, it basically covers the same content as the big textbooks do, but it turns it into an audiobook, and it has everything on there. I, it has a complete online gradebook for me, so it's great to be able to monitor student progress and 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 see what they're missing. You know, another resource that I've really, really loves called weldingtipsandtricks.com. Foyer, if you sign up for his email notifications, he sends something usually weekly, daily. If you have the money to spend on his premier website called welderskills.com, that he has a whole bunch of information 
on all the processes with different welding instructors. And the, the key with him is he has the right equipment to film the arc shot. And then as it goes into real time, you can see the movement of the, uh, you can see the fluidity of the, uh, of the puddle and he talks through it and he can explain certain things that you wouldn't notice in real time if I was showing you in a booth, you know, that kind of information is solid. And then, you know, finally, uh, American Welding Society membership. If you get on the American Welding Society, you're going to be opening up the doors to all kinds of opportunity. And their uh, awslearning.org, full of information. It's just a, a giant library of everything that you need to know about welding. So, Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So if I could just recap, you said Miller, Miller Open Book, American Welding Society. And what was the other one again? WeldingTipsAndTricks.com. WeldingTipsAndTricks.com. All right, folks. So check it out. And a lot of this content is free. So that's even better, especially for these young people who are students and just coming up and have tight budgets, as we know young people do. Final question. Please share one lesson you learned in life that has had a big impact on you. So over the years, I've learned that you can truly do whatever you put your mind to. I know it sounds cliche, but the fact is, if you want to do something bad enough, you'll do whatever it takes to obtain it, achieve it, and live it. You know, don't let mistakes of the past become uh, setbacks for your future. You know, use every opportunity to learn something and from someone in all walks of life. You know, when you know more, you respect more. And that includes people and processes. Excellent. Well, Joshua O'Neill, I really appreciate you being a guest on the Skill Stadium podcast. Thank you so much. I wish you continued success. And uh, please stay in touch. Don't be a stranger. For sure, man. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.